Let's turn now to um, our text. I love this text. Absolutely love this text. Every text is a context. A text without a context is a pretext. You ever that? A text without a context is a pretext. I'm not going to use this as much today, I don't think, but I did want to use it briefly to paint and to connect this text immediately with where it stands in Mark. Where does it stand in Mark? And then we're going to read it. Mark history and then, and then Bible history and then, uh, and then uh, kind of redemptive history, all of history. I'll, also, I'll show you what I mean. So we're going to, we're going to get invited to an event here. Uh, and a woman is going to anoint Jesus. She's anonymous. She's anonymous in every gospel. Uh, unless Luke is, the, unless Mark, John's was describing the same one, we're not sure. Because there's another anointing that happens, and that's even more awkward. And, anyway, so, so but in uh, Mark, uh, we're going to do this anointing. And we are in the last two to three days of the life of Jesus Christ before he goes to a cross to be uh, executed and murdered uh, for, uh, as an innocent man. And then on the third day, rise from the dead. Yeah, all right, so uh, you may have stumbled in here and, and not thought that a Presbyterian church believes these things. That's okay, that's okay. But, uh, but I believe these things. And, and I'm happy to defend that and to defend it stridently and defend it uh, as, a, as, a, as a tenable belief. But I don't, ask you to, I don't ask you to share my belief, but I just want you to understand the story. Understand the story. Because this woman's actions here, this woman's actions here in the last two or three days are the only positive actions. She is the last person in the narrative before the execution of Jesus Christ. She is the last person before his torture who understands it and does something right. She's the last one. So she, and so, and, and there's something kind of remarkable about that. How everything is in the story, and what is the thesis of the book of Mark? What is its main thesis from Mark chapter 1, verse 1? This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So it's establishing that thesis, and it's coming to this climax, and this anointing event that we're going to look at today marks the last peaceful moment of Jesus, really. Last time somebody gets him. What about in the Bible? What about in the Bible itself? Well, the anointing. Anointing. We don't do a lot of anointing in our day. Um, we, uh, how many of you watched the inauguration? None of you did, right. So, uh, <laughs> so but we all know how the, the drill, a guy stands up there, hand up like this, like he's in court, and he swears, and that's our version of anointing. That's what we do. That's, that's kind of nice, I guess. Usually there's a Bible involved or something. There's some sort of... I like the old idea of anointing. It was like... Uh, um, it, was, it, was an, it was dirty. I mean, you had to take a shower. You had oil all over you. I mean, it was just, it was just messy and, and, and tangible and, 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 and so and very, very obvious. I mean, you would know if somebody walked by you if they just got anointed. <laughs> you would be able to see it. And the sun would be shiny. And it was like, you know, it's it greasy, you know. But anointing has several references. 
Anointing in Greek is christened. That's the word for anointing, is to christen. And where, well, whose name is in the word christened? Christ. Because in the Old Testament, in the Messiah, he is the Hebrew word for the anointed one. Anointing, then, has a divine reference to, his, to God's action in history and a reference to how a king set aside, but also a third reference. So it refers to all of biblical history and the way kings are established by God. They're anointed, they're set apart and sealed by this, by this, uh, sorry. They're set aside and sealed. Ay, ay. Um. They are set aside and sealed by this action of anointing. Kings are, but so is also the special messenger of God in history that they've been awaiting. But there's the third reference, and that is there's an anointing for burial. Um, ancient world, uh, there's usually people want to tend to a body over a period of time as it's being prepared for burial. And what happens to a dead body? Uh, rather, rather quickly, it starts to smell very, very bad, very, very bad. So why do you anoint a dead body? So you can work with it. It's practical. Really, it's practical. So this thing don't throw up. Yeah, it's like, it's kind of, that's the kind of defeat, you know, you, you want it to be workable. It's practical stuff. Anointing for burial. All of that is being alluded to in this, in this story. All of it is. What's final? What's the final note I want to make? Uh, the context of all of history. The context, and this is a woman anointing. Girls, you don't get to do this. Not in the Old Testament, you don't. You're not one of the, you know, you're, that's not your purpose. That's not your place. So there's an oddness here. There's a disjunction. There's a, there's, everything is right and everything is wrong at the same time. Like everything is awkward and everything is beautiful. <laughs> And this awkward, beautiful, this awkward and beautiful way the gospel comes here, this awkward and beautiful moment is, I think, the moment that's going to be so precious to us. It's going to be an awkward and beautiful invitation into knowing Jesus the way she does. So let, let's, all right, let's read. It's nard. It's, I was hoping that uh, Abe was going to be here. He could tell us what nard smells like. Abe's a, Abe's a perfumer by Javi. And he promises to teach a bunch of us how to do that if we want. Let's see here. Uh, the sermon. How, let's first read these words. How does Christ himself tell us we should listen to his word? It was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. For they said, not during the feast lest there be an uproar from the people. And while he was at Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment, of pure nard, very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii. And given to the poor. That's a whole year's wages. Yeah. 
and they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. For you will always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial, and truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. When they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. I want to pray here. Let's set this timer and then pray. Uh, Father, I merely pray and ask for the influence and power of the Holy Spirit to preach, teach, to speak. But um, if I am the only one in the room who gets that from you, who gets the Holy Spirit, then this isn't worth doing. We all need the Holy Spirit. Every one of us in this room needs divine, spiritual, direct, supernatural operation on our conscience, on our mind and thoughts, in our emotions, on our will. And so we ask for that. We ask that for us and for everybody who's listening to sermons all over the city today. All the preachers who are preaching. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I guess the reason I'm kind of excited about this is... Um, Places I want to go here, a lot of things that I want to think and say about it. I'm always intrigued by people who seem to get Jesus and don't seem to have the pieces they need. This happens a lot in the whole story of the Bible. And to me, it's a great, great, a great, great encouragement. People who are coming from the outside. You notice she's anonymous? Because he has, we, we never know her name. Oh, well, why not? Well, that's an intentional. That was an intentional act by the, by, by the writers. And for some reason, her name is not the point. So we don't get that. And so, but it's, and every gospel records it. And, 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 and so she, we don't know who she is. And she enters in to the narrative. She just kind of comes out of nowhere. She enters right in. And she acts appropriately. Well, does she act appropriately? Not according to anybody there. It's awkward. All right, come on, this is, guys. Imagine you're having dinner. Okay, this is a this is, this is even awkward back then. It's not like they were all like people just you know. Anytime you had a party and you're hanging out, some say, hey, hey, you know what? Who's coming to anoint me today? This is not like that. It's not like that. Where's the anointer? And it doesn't happen like that. And the reason you want to, I want you to do that to, to kind of play a, play this. Uh, to kind of walk into the narrative a little bit, so so it's so it's so it surprises are surprising to us again. This is all right. So does anybody know somebody who's just really awkward? <laughs> we live in San Francisco. Of course, we know people like this. Uh, people who just don't understand social conventions, for whom social conventions don't seem uh, optional. 
So they're having dinner. She comes in. Don't say she even says anything. She has perfume. The whole place stinks now. Smells really strong. Nard supposedly smells very strong. Nard's often a base, in fact, of a perfume. It's extraordinarily expensive. By breaking the flask, too, it can't any be, and none of it can be recovered now. The flask is broken. And she anoints him. Does he stop eating? <clears throat> Probably. I imagine nobody knows quite what to say at first. Somebody leans in. <coughs> Oh my goodness, do you know how much money that is? Do you know how much money that is? Yes, yes, yes. What are you doing? We're trying to eat here. Hey, can you get her? What are you? And all, the, and, and all of a sudden, somebody wants to correct the awkwardness of the situation. Who? The disciples. We learn in one of the other, in one of the other gospels, it was actually Judas. But Judas isn't alone. Every, I mean, Judas, I think they all, they, Mark's making it close. They all, nobody liked this. It didn't. And if you remember the story at all, the, the story is not being told here in fully as it is in other gospels, but this, gets, this starts getting a little personal too because you know, they couldn't even pay the temple tax. They were so broke. They were so broke they didn't have any money. A lot of times they ran out of food. You know what? People who run out of food are poor people. That's the fact that you get the, uh, poor people run out of food. When they're out of food, what's the implication? They're poor. The disciples are poor. They don't have any, they're broke. And, and so, um, uh, so there's another layer here. It's kind of like, oh, wow, somebody comes with this amazing $50,000 gift, and it's gone. Just like that. And uh, we don't even have enough money for food. I don't think they were just awkward. I think they were a little angry. Maybe there's a little bit of this. Oh, there, there, look, you know what? She's a woman. She probably doesn't even know how much money she's spending. You think that that's not, that's not the kind of trite, misogynist kind of thought thinking of that day? Women had no rights. They couldn't even own property. She is being attacked for a misallocation of funds. How serious of an offense is that? She is, all, she is out. She doesn't belong there. What the heck is she doing there? She doesn't belong there. She doesn't belong. She's made it all awkward now. And Jesus says, leave her alone. She, and then something else, we begin to see something else here. The scribes and the Pharisees, we just learned, are plotting to kill him. They have a conspirator in Judas Iscariot. They are working from the inside and the outside to catch him and kill him because of the threat he poses. The disciples have been bumping into one another like the Keystone Cops. If you remember the Keystone Cops, they're, they're just a bunch of, they have no idea what's going on. They are clueless and yet this woman, who comes out of nowhere anonymously to do this amazing sacrificial act, gets it. Gets it. And that's what I want to put in front of you right there. How does she get it? How does she get it? How does that woman get it with so little information and data? And you in this room know more, and you don't get it. I say you don't get it. You don't get it with that sense of urgency. 
sacrifice, willing to be in the awkward moment for Jesus. That's what strikes me first. <laughs> right out the gate, because I figure if we can get a hold of how she gets it, we can get a hold of what she's got. And what she got? Passion for Jesus Christ. <laughs> Passion for who he is. An understanding of who he is. Remember, the premise is, who is Jesus? He's the Son of God. What does he say? What are his words? Does he say? He talks. He's three times now. He's told him he's going to die. Three times he's told him he's going to die. Three separate times. Does anybody recall how the disciples responded to that? Not you. No, no, no. Who's in charge if you go? Am I the charge? Or is Peter in charge? Don't, don't put Peter in charge. That's the conversations they're having. Huh? It's always a huh? What? But other people are listening, aren't they? Other people are listening. Other people are seeing who he is. The son of God. What his words are, that he would die and rise from the dead. And what he would do, what? What he would do would be a sacrifice for sinners. Look at the end of chapter 10. The Son of Man did not come to be, to, to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. I smell the Holy Spirit. I love this. When somebody gets a clue, when somebody awakens, in this beautiful way, this woman is wiser than the disciples, wiser than the scribes and the Pharisees. She is the great hero of Holy Week. Because she knows and she acts and she trusts and she loves and sacrifices for Jesus. And all I can, I want, I want that, I want that, I want that. You know, there's something, one of the great crimes of this generation, and one of the great crimes of even our community, even though I love our church, I love you guys, but cynicism has no place in the class of God, ever. 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 Cynicism, jaded, uh, reserve, reserve, even reserve. What? There is no place for reserve in the kingdom of God. And what I say we need is as we, as, I, as we have learned who he is, as we learn he is the son of God and, and what his words really mean and how true his words will never pass away, he just said in chapter 13, and as what he would do would die upon a cross as a substitution for sinners. He would take Jacob's sin and lay it on his own flesh and swallow it up, all of sin and death and judgment. Oh, oh, oh. And I'm hoping that we would get, the, we would get what ways happens in our, our narratives that we would get this awkward, awkward, and beautiful, beautiful motion of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is so excited by the awkward and the beautiful. Praise him. We need Holy Spirit power. Uh, Christ says, what she has done is beautiful. Huh. By the way, the word beautiful in Greek doesn't just mean like pretty. Now, they, they took the word beauty and truth and 
goodness and wrapped it all up into one concept. When he says it's beautiful, he's saying it's beautiful morally, spiritually, and physically. It's gorgeous. Awkward and beautiful. So my first, I guess, admonition, encouragement, um, first need of the hour, is for us to search for the motion and presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, The hour here in San Francisco at this time bears that out, the need for it. Um, Cleverness, uh, uh, marketing, uh, better sound system, a better looking pastor. I don't know if we could get that, but but, but that, and what, are we, what, what would happen if we did that? Well, that's how we're, really? Don't you, don't you see? I want to, I want the Holy Spirit to make this awkward and beautiful every Sunday. What else are sinners who come What else are the ruined people of this world? What else are we? Awkward and beautiful. That's what the Holy Spirit creates when you get the gospel. What does gospel mean? Good news. Good news. God has come in Jesus Christ to do the work of saving sinners. His words are true and his blood now there's a couple of things happening right now uh, in my mind I don't want to make the disciples a mistake what's one of the mistakes that, that the, what we create as a community when we become religious we don't like it when people mess with our like our liturgy right <laughs> or people Awkward people who don't. San Francisco comes into a Christian worship. It's, you, know what the, you know what's going to happen? It's going to be awkward. <laughs> and I see the whole, it, you mentioned the whole history of the church. This, this story has been played over and over again, right? Somebody coming hungry, somebody coming hungry, and what, what, what do they find in the church? You're not dressed properly to be here. Oh, I'm sorry, this is a white church. This is, oh, I'm sorry, you need to, uh, one poor woman, um, she, she was been asked to be, uh, play the organ, it's a true story, and she wore red one Sunday. The pastor told her that was the color of a whore to get out. She never went, never went back to church again. Sometimes our words can do this. Sometimes the people we choose to be with, we choose to talk to the people who make us happy. There's so many choices we can make to, 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 to get her out. But if you want to get her out, you have to get rid of Jesus. If you don't want her and her hunger and her need and her... Oh, I get chills about this. All right, we need the Holy Spirit, like she had, to both enamor us of and drive us of and, and help us to believe and know we are loved like this. Okay, all right, great, Chris. We need the Holy Spirit. 
But that's the theological answer. And that's great. I, I need theological answers. Answers that tell me who God is and what he has done and what he's doing in Jesus Christ. But there's more here, too. There's more as we kind of t- we pull at this a little bit you begin to see it. Who does this kind of thing? Who does this kind of thing? Who does it? Somebody desperate. Why is she so anonymous? Um, I'm going to say something I think that I... We have a, whenever I preach or speak here in San Francisco, or anywhere in our time, but especially here in San Francisco, there's such a wide range of people here, right? And there's people here who have never read the Bible. There's people here who have read the whole Bible. There's people who grew up in church. There's people who, who hate church. There's people who, you know, and there's all sorts of different cultural backgrounds and baggage. Hmm. So... Broad, broad range. But I can say one, very rarely can I say one thing that everybody will admit. I know it's true every one of you. Very rarely can I speak a truth that I know will get every single person in the room. But I got one. I do have one. You've got secrets. You've got a secret that nobody knows about you. And if we were to find out what it was, we'd never see you again. You'd, if everybody were to find out what you did, you'd either kill yourself or you'd run as far away as possible. I know I do. The existential crisis of this woman is what is the second part that invites us even more deeply into the love of Jesus. Because let me tell you something. This is a disturbed woman. This kind of risk, that kind of value, that's a family investment right there. Publicly? <laughs> let me tell you something. There's something driving this woman. We never discover what it is even. Why? We don't need to know what it is because we all know what she feels because there's all something about us that if we would, there's just, if we had a chance, if you had a moment, whatever it would be, and you knew in that moment you could go to the Lord of glory after you heard his saving words of love and you could give it all to him. You could surrender that. You'd be healed of the secrets and the shame. She's beautiful. Oh, it's so awkward. Don't you hate it when somebody's inappropriate in a public setting like that? You couldn't hate it that much if you listened to me preach for any length of time. But, but <laughs> I, have a, I have a gift for being awkward. It's like that one person who says the wrong thing does the wrong thing. I am. Um, I was preaching at a missions conference 
one time. And it's a big church. And, and they, they, we were in the gym. And so I was on a podium. But it wasn't that high. The podium was only about a foot and a half, 18 inches off the ground. And I was preaching about, I think I was preaching on Ezekiel, the Shekinah glory, or something like that. And as I'm preaching, it was a series. This woman starts walking to the front and kneels down at the altar and starts crying. And uh, I wasn't prepared. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. What would you do? That's weird. What's go That's weird. Oh, but you see, the gospel, when it really gets powerful, becomes awkward and beautiful. It does. It saves the awkward and makes them beautiful. Praise Him. I love the way Jesus interacts with the awkward moments. Um, other time, we were in worship, and my first church was a black church in the inner city. And uh, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but I'm, I'm pretty white. <laughs> I used to tell the kids on the street that I am so white that in a bright sun, you can actually see through my flesh. And all the kids would be like, really? That's how white I am. Um, what's that? Sour cream. Oh, sour cream. So I'm preaching about gospel love. Yvonne gets up in the back. Black woman in her late 50s. She's like, praise Jesus! And she starts dancing while I'm preaching. I'm like all of 29 years old, and I'm a Presbyterian. I'm a white Presbyterian. It's like, I know that sounds redundant, but, but uh, so I'm sitting there. An awkward moment. Didn't know what to do. In Atlanta, it was uh, it was uh, an elderly woman who came forward, and as she was taking communion, said, "I want you to pray for me, Pastor." It was a room full, a couple hundred people. We had to line for communion, and uh, elders on the left and the right to minister the, the table. And I said, she's like, I just need, I need you, need you to lay on hands. I reached out to touch her head. I didn't. And she was slain in the spirit. I'm telling you, I, the guy was ready. There was, there was somebody right there. Somebody caught her. And I remember being like, we just, we just, this is awkward. This is beautiful. Um, I had a sense that we can get all the theology in place and ask for the Holy Spirit to make it real, make Jesus real to us. Yes, amen. But there's a second part of the Holy Spirit does, and that is to get us to take our secrets, our secret shame, and just give it to him fully. Be released. be released. And you know what's funny? The stories I remember and the stories they all remembered and they wrote down 
Because what did Jesus say? This story will be told as long as the gospel's preached everywhere. And what happened? What's happening? Let me tell you something. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I really do. You may think that's wild. You know what I think's weird? He predicted people would talk about this forever. Guess what? I'm talking about it. We're talking about it right now. I'm sorry. You may say I kind of cheated there, but I'm telling you, Jesus just won. <laughs> Jesus just won. And you heard it. You heard it happen right now. One for Jesus. The prophet spoke. We are fulfillment of talking about what's beautiful in the gospel, the good news. But finally, I want, she's trusting Jesus with her secrets here, whatever that secret existential crisis that she's in. She's trusting him with it and giving it to him so totally. She knows she can because of who he is and what he said and what he's going to do. And so your invitation by the Spirit is to start to grasp to start to move towards. Some of you have known, known the whole gospel thing for years. But there's a big movement we still have yet to make towards really trusting him with our sin and our shame, right? Really trusting him that he loves sinners, that his grace is so real, that his love is so magnificent and beautiful, that the awkward and beautiful is kind of his, his, his go-to place, his special place. He loves it. Like he celebrates it. He gets excited about it. He reminds Martin down. He wants that the, the awkward and beautiful moments where the gospel explodes and things get weird. That's like his, that's his, that's his, his working space. Because the final question I have for you is, where does she get the guts to do this in front of a bunch of men like this? Who are hostile. They're not nice. There's this final reality that I hope for. You know, we, look, we just did this liturgy, right? There's all sorts of call and response. The, you read the bold type. You know, one of the reasons I love to do that is when I'm leading the liturgy or Adele's leading it or whoever's leading it, it's a way of saying, I need to hear God's word as much as you, right? It's a nice, that's really what the call and response is about. So we're all speaking God's words after him. And I know I'm not the only one who gets to speak God's words. We all get to speak them. That's beautiful. But one of the dangers of scripts, one of the dangers of scripts, of liturgies, is they can stifle one. They can stifle the awkward. I, I don't want a, somebody who doesn't know God to come in here and feel awkward because they just don't know what to do. <laughs> That's not the awkwardness we want to seek, right? We don't want an awkwardness where everybody goes, oh, this is weird. These people are weird and they sing songs and I don't like that. And that kind of awkwardness, that's what we want to heal that awkwardness. We want there to be bridges where people can feel comfortable. Now, but there's an awkwardness that I want to incite. Boldness. That woman doesn't give a rip for convention or social approval, and you guys are controlled by it. And as long as you stay controlled by your cultural demand for approval and that you do the right thing at the right time, we are going to continue. If, you, if that's your God, your culture will go, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm not going to do this. This is not the time. I, I'm self-controlled. I'm Asian. Stop it. It's wrong. Or I'm self I'm controlled because I'm a man and I know how to, I got, Chris, I'm not like that. I'm not emotional. Stop it. Johnny, you may not think you're emotional. God made you with emotions. We're not looking for a cultural reality here or a personal reality that you have. We are looking for a Holy Spirit reality. Amen? That's what we need. And we need to be freed of our hunt for approval. 
Because if we will be free of our hunt for approval, we won't be depending upon a liturgy anymore. This will just be a script that starts the, starts what? The extemporaneous praise of the people of God. What am I saying? What am I saying? I don't care how embarrassed you are, Jenna, but if you ever want to come up here and pray while I'm preaching, then you better darn well do it. And if the Holy Spirit's moving you to do things like that, then we need to become a people who become awkward and beautiful. These scripts, these scripts we do for worship, these ways we, you know, Presbyterians are always decently in an order. I, 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 that's great. That's a great baseline, but it's, it's just a baseline. It's not the finish line. Um, there's a moment that there's a, and, and this is where, this is the, this is cast for me for the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit can bring you a knowledge of Jesus Christ, a knowledge of his words that trust, but you trust, and a knowledge of the cross that sets you free from your sin and guilt. Praise him. Amen. He has the knowledge. The Holy Spirit will plumb your secrets and you need not be ashamed for you, you're free. But finally, finally what I want is what the Holy Spirit does. Just finally break down the barriers we've set up towards being liberated and free with each other and before the world with joy and praise and thanksgiving and confession. Ah, awkward and beautiful. What would it look like to be a church where every Sunday somebody were to say when they visited, that is such an awkward, and beautiful place. They are such an awkward and beautiful people. You would not believe the sacrifices they're making. You would not believe how beautiful it smells like Jesus. You know, they believe. They've been set free from shame, shameful secrets. And they are alive with new passion for God. Amen. This is the, oh. Um, I look back through time to the story of this woman, the anonymous woman. And I ask myself, how did she know? How did she know to anoint him as king? How did she know to prepare him for burial? How did a woman alone be able to do that? It's beautiful. It says something about women's ministry here, doesn't it? The beauty of how women are appointed. I wonder if it won't be a woman first here in the first press. It will be the first person. Every, almost every description I just made was a woman, wasn't it? Yeah, every, every story I just told you, I didn't realize it was a woman who took a risk to do something awkward about her love for Jesus. And those moments, you know what they did? They unlocked the worship of everybody around them. And this is written by men, these stories. They remembered her in that last week. She's the only one who got it. They didn't. Praise him. Let's pray. I came from a family, Father, you know full well where you do not show emotion. Everything is inscrutable, everything is reserved and controlled. If you can't control your emotions, you get spanked for it. 
you can't control yourself, you can't stop crying, you get spanked for it, which never made sense to me. But and I thank you for setting me free from that. And I pray you'd make me awkward and beautiful for you. But I don't need, I'm not the only one who needs this. Some of us uh, are bound in chains of approval and mandate and things we don't do and we're a man or where we're a reserved person or a respectable member of the community and we don't do those weird things. We're not, we're not weird. I don't want to be weird. And you're calling us to be weird. I pray, Holy Spirit, anoint us with weirdness. Anoint us with strangeness. Because there's nothing stranger in this generation than a people on fire with joy knowing our God. I thank you that this woman smashes through religion. She smashes through uh, religious rules, cultural norms, and personal boundaries to know Jesus, your son, and to make him known. I pray something would start today. Holy Spirit, that you would move. Holy Spirit, that you would fill. Holy Spirit, that we would come under the sweet influence of your power. Holy Spirit, that somebody today would become convinced again about who Jesus is. Holy Spirit, that you would, you would set, set somebody who's bound by secrets free in your grace. Holy Spirit, that you'd make us bold, bold worshipers, bold worshipers, because of how much we've been loved. I pray you would make us awkward and beautiful for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. On the night he was betrayed, which is what we're going to read about next week, we're going to, we're going to learn about next week. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat. And in the same way, he also took a cup of wine, saying, this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. Uh, he said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim his death till he comes. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Elsewhere, he said, my body is good food and my blood is good drink. He, he instituted a table. And he said, the table, you eat me. Awkward. Awkward. Yes. You've heard it a lot because you're like, it's awkward. We know it's really awkward. It was awkward back then. Thousands left him when he said stuff like that. They got up and walked out. Awkward. Let's get, let's get even more awkward. Let's get even more awkward. The Holy Spirit breaks religious, religious stuff. He just destroys religious norms. I want to destroy one right now. If you're a good person, you think you're a good man or a good woman, working very hard and diligently to come to salvation, to come to Jesus, if you're working hard, hard to be a good, good man, then uh, you're not allowed to have this table. You're not worthy of it. Awkward. But what's the beauty? 
If you're a sinner like me, if you're as ruined as I am, if you're as terrified as I am of my secrets, if you are terrified by shame and terrorized by the sense of a holy God, and you don't feel like you're worthy of love, <laughs> oh yeah, baby, this is your table. Awkward. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. That's why we celebrate it every week. Finally, if you're a skeptic, and as a skeptic, uh, listening to my claims, you find them incredulous uh, and unbelievable that a son of God came and died and rose from again to the third day, and you don't share my belief system, then I, this is what I ask you to do. Watch me, watch my system in action. Watch it. Watch me, watch us <laughs> dig into this system deep. Watch our awkwardness. And I'm hoping that you will yearn for a beautiful knowledge of God. Amen? Let's see. All right, so that's what, that's, that's, that's what, that's what communion looks like here. And um, we're going to uh, move into a time of organized chaos. And in this time of organized chaos, um, I'm going to ask that, uh, 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 let me see, I want to pick on somebody, but I'm going to pick on somebody here, and it's going to be uh, Madeline and McLaren, because they are going to find the sex of the baby this week. Will you guys stand by the water back there and pray for babies? If you have babies or children want prayer, they're going to pray for them in the back while we're doing communion. I should ask you to come forward and take the bread and wine. There's a wine is in the um, wine is, is, is the darker red. The lighter red, which is these back two rows, is grape juice. And take the wine and the bread back to your seats. We'll eat it together uh, after after we have um, after we have sung our final song. Let's now then uh, turn to the Apostles' Creed. I'm sorry, the Nicene Creed, not the Apostles' Creed. It's lengthier. It's more theological. And I think there's one thing the church needs in this day. It's lots of theology. Because there's lots of error everywhere around. So uh, we're going to do the, the Nicene Creed together, and, uh, which was written by the church in the third century. Will you stand, please? A church of God here in San Francisco, First Presbyterian Church, tell me what do you believe? We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not created being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men, for our salvation, came down from heaven, was incarnate by the Holy Spirit in the Virgin Mary, and was made man, was also crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father, he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, 
who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets, and we believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.